Welcome to Conversations with Z and Vindesh, a weekly dialogue that explores common life challenges and offers practical solutions. Learn more at thedispassionateobserver.com. That's T-H-E-D-I-S-P-A-S-S-I-O-N-A-T-E-O-B-S-E-R-V-E-R.com. Welcome, everybody, to this week's edition of Conversations with Z and Vindesh. Today, we're going to cover a topic that underlies a lot of the issues that we've talked to you about. And the title of today's topic is The Normalization of Dysfunction. It refers to behaviors that, on the one hand, are destructive. They hurt us, they hurt our physical health, they cause issues like anxiety and depression. On the other hand, these behaviors have become normalized. They've become so common in our society, so pervasive, that we don't even recognize them as problems. And this makes the condition particularly insidious. Today, we're going to talk more about this condition. We'll talk about the normalization of dysfunction, and we're going to help everyone start to understand what dysfunction means, how it contrasts with a more functional existence. Because once we have that understanding, We can start to identify these dysfunctional behaviors. We can go to the root cause of the problem, and we can really improve the quality of our lives. Z, why don't we start over there? Before getting into dysfunction, let's talk about what it means for something to be functional or for our lives to be functional. Well, Vin, a good definition of functional is what is that thing supposed to do and does it do it? If the thing is supposed to do something and it does it, then it is functional. If it doesn't do the thing, it is the narrative says it does or or our description of it is, then it is dysfunctional. If you have transportation that takes you from point A to point B, if it doesn't do that, it's unable to do that, it is not functioning properly. You right now in contemporary society, you have a government that is stated to manage the interests of the commons, right? If it's not doing that, then it's a dysfunctional government. So it's not necessarily based on how you feel or an opinion, but it is the stated purpose of the subject. If it works as advertised, it is functional. Z, it sounds like to understand dysfunction, we have to understand the stated purpose of whatever activity we're pursuing. And if we think about our lives, we want to engage in activities that promote good health, that make us feel still and mentally clear, that allow us to fully develop our capabilities, that lead to contentment. So we're at peace with our situation. We're at peace with ourselves. We're not constantly chasing something. We're not constantly feeling dissatisfied. So if this is the general definition of function in our lives, can you talk a bit about the different components of our life? You mentioned, for example, relationships. Maybe you can hit on some of the major categories, the major activities that we pursue and talk a bit about what it means to be functional in each of those areas. Well, in, in the, the 
various relationships humans have with other human beings. Uh, we seem to do better with companionship. If those things do not give you what is advertised, what is presented, then it doesn't work for you. It is dysfunctional. It is not healthy. Um, when you look at work relationships, you have a team at work. Is that team functioning as needed? So as we look at our various relationships and the types of relationship we have, friendships, these types of companionships, someone who supports you, someone who accepts you, uh, you have a certain uh, freedom of self-expression. That is a functional friendship. If that person is someone you have to purse your conversation, openly share certain parts of your life, then that is a dysfunctional friendship. And so as we use that formula and look at all relationships and intimate relationships, the idea that the relationship is intimate, if there is no intimacy, that relationship is dysfunctional. If there is a lack of sexuality and sensuality, then it is dysfunctional. So either you must fix it or you must redefine it. So that goes into the idea of healthy agreements. So we have an agreement that this thing works a certain way. I buy a car. I make an agreement with the car salesman that this car will give me whatever benefit. Real simple. So we can apply that to relationships. We can apply that to uh, the way we work. We can apply that to our health. Uh, if you're not able to walk up a flight of stairs, as we understand functionality, clearly understand that, then from there we can see what is not functioning right. And that is how we begin the process of identifying dysfunction. The topic today, of course, is the normalization of dysfunction, the layering over, the masking of the malfunction of something in our life. And so we want to be very clear on how things should work, how things benefit us. Functionality also is part of sustainability. If you want to know something, how it works right, does it, is it sustainable and does it sustain? Does it promote growth and development? Does it encourage uh, good health? Are you finding pleasure in it? Uh, does it uplift you? Does it promote and tonify your overall well-being? So that is functionality. You follow me, Vin? Z, I think that's a really nice description of the function of relationships, that they're there to promote intimacy, to allow you to be yourself with friends. If you're with an intimate partner, there's an aspect of sexuality and sensuality. And if you're getting away from that intimacy, if you're getting away from that sensuality, then the relationship isn't working the way that it should. It falls into the dysfunctional category. You talked about health and simple tests like, can I walk up a flight of stairs? And for different people, the requirements might be different. So if you're a professional athlete, you're obviously going to have a different standard. But there is some standard for your health, some objective measure 
of what you need to go about your day to day. And based on that, you can evaluate whether your condition is functional or dysfunctional. I want to touch on another area which has become incredibly important in our world today, and that's technology. Technology has transformed the way that we live, and it seems to be happening more and more rapidly. If I think about when I was growing up, we barely had computers, then we had the personal computing revolution, then we got the internet, then we got cell phones. Now people are walking around with mobile devices. They're glued to those mobile devices. There's discussion about implanting interfaces in the human brain so that we can do away with cell phones and directly communicate with the cloud. So the pace of technological evolution is incredible. The benefits are incredible. It allows collaboration. It allows instant communication. It allows commerce. But it's also an area which is prone to dysfunction. It's prone to taking over our lives. And we see this a lot. Cell phones are a great example. People are walking down the streets of New York looking at their cell phones. They're walking into traffic. They're not even paying attention to what's happening. They're staying up all night searching for useless information, and then they feel tired the next day and they can't function properly. Can you talk a bit about technology, how we should think about using it in a functional way, and why, in some cases, it's become very dysfunctional? A clear way to state that, Vin, and to give clarity to that is what is the purpose of it? Knowing that on social media, that it is ideally used to keep you abreast of current events that you are interested in, health, wellness, uh, the weather, whatever it is, travel information, uh, best bargain here or there, uh, best source of organic food, whatever it is, and that is the limit of it. No one should be able to influence you simply by uh, their active presence in social media. That is when it's dysfunctional. So the more we understand that, then we can see how it has an adverse effect on our health. That if you have friends on Facebook, but you have no contact with friends in your real life, you have to go back and say, what, does, what is a friend? What is a friend? And if you realize the function of a friend is an extension of the self and your whole self. I think what's interesting about our conversation is that the dysfunction is so destructive and so immediately destructive, yet we continue with this behavior or we continue with these situations. So if we're in a relationship with a friend and we can't open up to that friend, there's no point to the relationship. We're wasting time. We're going over polite conversation. We're holding back ourselves. We're probably feeling some agitation and some anxiety because we can't say what's on our mind, but we'll continue that relationship with a friend or with a family member. If we think about technology, we're obviously wasting time. There's no need to be on our cell phones 8 or 10 or 15 hours a day. There's no need to transcribe every random thought or every question we have into a Google search so that we can get information that we're never going to use. And the cost is that not only do we waste time, we're overstimulating ourselves. We're looking for the next quick bit of information, the next quick hit. 
We can't sleep properly. We're exhausted. So I think one important question is how have we gotten to this point? If the behavior is so obviously destructive, why haven't we recognized that? And part of it relates to our discussion on primalism and the power of narrative and the fact that we've gotten to a point where the part of our brain that's narrating a picture has become disconnected from the more visceral part of our brain. So we're out of touch with what we're actually feeling at a gut level. And we're telling ourselves that this behavior is okay to keep on doing it because it's habit, because it's what everyone else does, because we look around and we don't know how to live. And a lot of what we've talked about, Z, is the importance of being able to step away from that crowd and to think for ourselves. Can you comment on how this dysfunction has gotten so bad? And what steps we can take to start moving away from it and back towards a more functional existence. Ben, as you speak, I reflect upon my limited experiences with humanity over the last 35 or 40 years working in health and wellness. If you don't understand the purpose of things, you cannot define its function. Was the purpose of this relationship for you to be in endless stress and disappointment? To be deeply engrossed in frustration? Is that the purpose? So if we ask ourselves in, in any area of our life, what is the purpose? When you go to work every day, what is the purpose of your work? And then look at those and find the categories of purpose. It is my livelihood. So it sustains you. It gives you the energetic units you need to sustain a certain quality of life. That is the purpose. That's one of the purposes of your job. Uh, and be very clear on that. So if it's not doing that, then you can do something else. So, but also, if it's something you're doing and you may not be that happy with the job, then you say, is the purpose of the job to support the energy I need to live on the planet? Or is the purpose of that job to bring me joy and happiness? And once you're clear on that, you can start to see maybe some jobs don't, aren't there for you to be happy. If you want to be happy and have fun at your job, maybe you should be an entertainer, comedian, or join a circuit. I don't know. Um, but some jobs are inherently uh, not necessarily filled with joy and laughter. But in exchange for that, you get a paycheck. So if that's what it's supposed to do, then define its purpose um, with your body. What is the purpose of your body? I define my body as the vehicle that transports my ideas, my intellect, expresses my life. Uh, it expresses all the um, experiences of the day. And in order to do that, that body has to be able, fit, well-maintained. Well cared for, uh, in in operating condition. So you have to ask yourself, what is the purpose of your body? And if it is not fulfilling that purpose, the body isn't functioning right. And so, in order to really work on this, Ben, 
we have to go back to the idea of understanding purpose. Purpose of your job. Purpose of the various relationships in your life. What is the purpose of friendships? If you have relationships in your life that constantly uh, create a cloud around you, if you have relationships filled with envy and avarice and so forth, then you have to say, what is the purpose of this relationship? If it serves no purpose or doesn't fulfill the assigned purpose, then excise that from your life. Just get rid of it. You don't have time to waste. It's a pretty simple cure for dysfunction. We normalize the dysfunction when we allow and support these things in our life to work outside of their purpose or not fulfill their purpose. I like the focus on purpose because it's like a knife. It can cut through all of the mental fog, all of the uncertainty about what we're doing, why we're doing it, and really answer the question, are our activities doing what they should be doing? Are they serving us? Are our relationships serving us? Are our careers serving us? And if they're not working in the way that's intended, as you say, Z, we can either fix it or find something else to do. One thing that I also want to bring up are some of the compensating adjustments that we make to maintain dysfunction. This is something that you and I have talked about previously. You have some really interesting ideas about it. The fact that we start with dysfunctional behavior. We're not aware necessarily of that dysfunction because we don't understand the purpose of what we're doing. But there's also a feedback mechanism. If something is dysfunctional, eventually it's going to cause us pain. Yet we're able to get around that pain through some compensating adjustments. So something very simple would be if our bodies are in poor shape and we're in bad health, we can take medication to feel better. And that kicks the can down the road. Or if we don't like our job and we feel like we should be getting so much more out of it, it's causing us a lot of stress and anxiety. We join a group therapy session and we've got a lot of other people who also feel the same way and we feel validated in our choices. So can you talk a bit about these enablers of dysfunction, how they build upon one, one another, and what we can do to also strip those away so we can get at the root of the problem? Uh, sure, Vin. So the exercise that we stick to is what is the purpose? That is the mantra. What is the purpose? In relationship dynamics, what is the purpose of the relationship? Sit with the people that you are close to. It could be your intimate partner. It could be uh, your, your social group. And say, what is the purpose of us doing this? And let's define that purpose. And if it, if it, if it fulfills that definition, then we put energy into it. If it doesn't, we don't put energy into it. Avoid pity parties of all kinds. Oftentimes, uh, being with a group of dysfunctional people and going over the dysfunction without defining purpose uh, will take you deeper into that abyss. So you want to avoid uh, clusters of dysfunction, and that becomes the normalization of dysfunction, and it's not healthy. If you want to be 
fit. Don't go around the unfit. Don't the people that have embraced unhealthiness, I should say. Uh, knowing that when you sit alone in your body and you say, you know, I, I enjoy being fit. I would like to be fit for the general well-functioning aspect of my life. I want to. So in order not to be dysfunctional, you have to establish those ideas. I do a little bit of exercise every day because I have a idea that I want to always be ready for whatever happens in life. I enjoy the freedom that good health allows me. Don't always like what I do, but I generally enjoy what I do. On the days that I enjoy it, I look at it as a plus. On the days that I can comfortably tolerate it, I look at it in a, in a way of devotion that while I'm so fortunate that I can do what I love and what I believe in for a living, I am so fortunate that I can help mitigate human suffering every day. So those days are rafts through the time, the mundane time. And then there are days where it's just fun. It's just outright fun. I, I can't, I, I enjoy the company. I enjoy that. And damn it, I'm getting paid for it. So there's a bonus. So on, even on the bonus days and the non-bonus days, they are still sustainable. So my work is as prescribed, as defined, fulfilling its purpose. Yeah, Z, I think that career is a big one, as you mentioned. I like what you said, which is you approach it with devotion, with gratitude for being able to do something that you love, do something that allows you to mitigate human suffering. A lot of times people get away from that purpose. I've been guilty of that in the past. I've looked at career as a way to distinguish myself, a way to make a lot of money, a way to prove something to someone. And it always ended in tears. And when I was able to let that go and take a much more dispassionate view about career, which is really, it is something that I do. There are aspects of it that I enjoy. I don't necessarily love every single thing about it, but I can provide for my family. I can meet interesting people. I can have good discussions and I can do my part in my industry to improve people's lives, I felt a lot better about it. And in fact, I started to do a lot better in my work because a lot of that baggage had disappeared. And suddenly I had clarity to see what was important, to see what I needed to spend time on, where I could pull back, where I needed to adjust. I see that with some of the younger people that I work with in the millennial generation. There's this big sense of, oh, how am I going to have impact? How am I going to do something meaningful. And to your point, that's not really the reason they're there. And frankly, our company doesn't care about that. We may say that we do, but really we need people in the seat. We need people to do a certain job and we'll pay them for doing that job. And that's it. And if you can leave it at that, you can find a certain satisfaction in doing your job, in being able to provide for yourself, in doing a role that's important to some set of people. And you can find other areas where you can express yourself in different ways. Maybe your career isn't a complete outlet for your creativity. 
but you have hobbies, you have outside interests that can absorb that. Maybe you're not best friends with the people that you work with, but to your point, Z, you have relationships which serve that purpose. So I think that this idea of purpose is really profound. Uh, One thing that I want to get back to is when we get away from purpose, at times it's almost like we are alcoholics and we're around people who are helping us continue that behavior. So if you think about a drug user or an alcoholic and they're destitute, they go back to their family and their family says, no, you can't do this anymore. You're destroying yourself. And they say, no, I need help. I'm going to get back on track. And the family says, fine, stay with us. We're here. Take some money. We'll take you in. We'll support you. And in the short term, it feels good. Everyone feels like they're really coming together. In the long term, it's destructive. And eventually you break down because if you are engaging in dysfunctional behavior, it's unsustainable. At some point, it's going to collapse. And I think that's a lot of what we see in today's society. Because even though the the dysfunction is there, you can paper over it for a while. So you can be on the go all the time. You can live in this constant state of urgency where you're not sleeping, you're doing, your mind is never resting. You're never allowing your body and your mind to recover. But you can take sleeping medication. You can take anti-anxiety medication. You can do things that numb the pain, that take you away from your body. And eventually, you have to pay the price. Eventually, your body will not be able to sustain the pace at which you're operating. But you can go for a long time before you realize that and before these signs become so severe that you can't ignore them. And this is something that I really hope we can help people figure out before they get to the point where everything breaks down. I see this in some friends who are just so driven, who are going, going, going. Their health is suffering. Their family life is suffering. It hasn't killed them yet. And they think, because I'm not dead, I can keep on doing it. But at some point, they might die. They might have a heart attack. They might collapse. I think if we can create the awareness to focus on purpose, to focus on sustainability, to focus on proper function, we can avoid a lot of that pain. We don't have to get to that point. We can fix the problem right now and get our life back on track right now. Z, I don't know if you can hear that, but those are my kids running and screaming in the background. That's my signal to end the discussion. So let's pause over here. We talked about the normalization of dysfunction. Now, dysfunction is a situation where something doesn't serve its intended purpose, whether it's a job or a relationship or the physical health of our body. And usually when we're in a dysfunctional state, it causes us stress and it causes us pain. We talked about purpose as a way to cut through the dysfunction and ensure that whatever we're doing is serving us. And finally, we started talking about the adjustments that we make that allow us to prolong dysfunction. We'll pick up the conversation next week. Please tune in again for part two of the normalization of dysfunction. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving a review on Podbean, iTunes, or your favorite podcasting app. Every five-star review allows us to share more unique and insightful content. 
Learn more at thedispassionateobserver.com. Thanks for listening, and please tune in again next week. Peace.